thanks for tuning in uh, for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Um, uh, my guest this week is uh, Mike Beckley, is it? That's right. Um, uh, from Appian. Uh, so, Mike, uh, why don't you go ahead and, I guess, you know, give, give me a little bit about, you know, your, your background and your role and, um, and also a little bit about Appian because I, I, I'm vaguely familiar, but uh, I, I don't really know the details of, of what the company is or does. Sure, of course. So, so yeah, I'm Mike Beckley. I'm Appian's chief technology officer. I co-founded the company with Matt Calkins and two other friends 20 years ago. And uh, today we are a global public software company, and uh, we provide low-code automation software. Appian has always been about trying to help uh, be the fastest way to, to build applications and automate your work. And uh, you know, as you can imagine, having been doing this for 20 years, my biography is pretty short. Um, I've been doing this, and before this I had... Uh, one job at a, at a technology startup, a, a pioneer in the analytics space, and uh, and before that was college. So it's a pretty simple life story. Uh, started Appian, lived happily ever after. Okay. Um, you, you know, so, so you mentioned low code, and I, I there uh, it's been a while, but a few years ago I wrote uh, something about kind of you know low code, no code. Uh, the you know the, the concept of um, sort of citizen developers um, uh, for DevOps.com. So give me a little bit about uh, that. Like for for those who don't know, like what is low code? Right. So so low code is a model driven approach to building applications. It's a it's a modern cloud based primarily uh, approach to uh, building software, building applications, and automating uh, work, and and doing it with, in a model-driven way rather than in writing all that code. So you can think about it. The emphasis is more on using the mouse than on the keyboard. And uh, while it's often closely aligned with ideas of citizen development, that's really not what low code is primarily about. Low code is is actually the new way. Uh, increasingly, applications are built of, of all kinds and by professional developers as well as citizen developers. Um, so that's, that's what low-code is. Okay. Um, so one of the things that, that, that uh, brings to mind for me um, is, uh, you know, having, having kind of come up in, um, you know, throughout the Internet era and, and having designed websites on various platforms. I mean, I've, I've coded in HTML. I've, you know, coded in, you know, uh, PHP. I've also used um, various tools, uh, Dreamweaver, um, Cold Fusion, you know, things like that. Um, and then you have, the, you know, these, these uh, companies that have come up lately, which are like the, 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 the Weeblies and, and, and things like that, where it's, really kind of like you don't have to be a developer you kind of go in there and you say yeah I want that I want that I want that and you just kind of point and click and and, and voila you have a website um, am I wrong in thinking that this is, is this is kind of like a, a a similar concept but for a program instead of a website yeah that's ex that's exactly right it's a similar concept um, only imagine far more depth power and complexity because when we're talking about building enterprise apps talking about building business systems uh, fundamentally, the level of complexity that the model has to represent is much greater. So 
if you are trying to build applications for a major global bank and you want to onboard new uh, institutional clients with their hundreds of millions and billions of dollars of assets, there are uh, a number of detailed legal procedures. There's a number of third-party entities that have to be involved. You have to write to dozens of different databases and you're orchestrating many different web services. And, and so uh, uh, a low-code approach is, is very powerful, but it, it, it also is a, it's a different level of, of application building than you know, um, generating a website. All right. Um, one of the things that uh, kind of sparked um, us getting together to have this conversation is a recent acquisition, uh, you know, by by Appian. So, um, talk to me about that acquisition. Why you why you acquired that that company in particular, and, and kind of how that plays into um, your vision. Like, you know, what how how, how will that kind of help expand or enhance what Appian does? Yeah, no, great question. So yeah, Appian recently bought uh, a RPA from a robotic process automation company. And, and, and we've, we're integrating that into the Appian offering so that we can provide full stack automation. That's fully unified robotic process automation, workflow, artificial intelligence, and case management to give people the right automation technology for the right use case. And this will enable the full orchestration of a blended workforce of people, bots, and algorithms in frictionless workflows, even where there isn't a fully modernized and transformed cloud-based environment. So in the, in the real world, most enterprises have a mix of cutting-edge cloud systems and, and, uh, and function-as-a-service event-driven applications that have to interact with uh, a whole set of, of legacy environments. And so this offering from Appian is now filling in one gap that we had, which was just the, the missing piece around having our own bots and, and uh, allowing CIOs to centrally manage, monitor, and deploy automation across the organization at any scale. And, uh, and so that's, that's really the, the point of it, is fulfilling Appian's promise to be the fastest and most agile way for organizations to implement digital transformation. Okay. Um- Okay, so using Appian, how much you know would I reasonably like need to know about programming? Like, you know, I mean, I, I've I've dabbled, so I know a little bit, but like, you know, do, do you have to have at least some grounding or foundation of of programming to to understand even what you're trying to build, or is it, you know? Uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Is is it something that you know you could somebody somebody could sit down and do even if they weren't a programmer? Yeah. So uh, I mean, the short answer is it yes. Uh, someone who is not a professional programmer can sit down and get a lot of value from Appian, but our target market is uh, organizations that are trying to do meaningful work at scale. So major uh, government agencies that need to ensure that uh, you know, services are provided to millions of citizens and that people are enrolled in insurance plans and that uh, you know, the banks are properly regulated. And also those major highly regulated entities, the, the banks, the insurance companies, the healthcare firms, the pharmaceutical companies that are working on, life sciences companies that are working on next generation therapies and running complex clinical trials that involve doctors and patients and nurses and outs- you know, um, 
and, and all kinds of different participants in a, in a complicated workflow and business process. So to be the sort of person who's going to build an application, you don't need to come to Appian with a computer science degree. But the more you know, the more powerful things you can do. And, and yet the more powerful Appian gets, the more we're able to, to reduce the level, level of impedance, the level of code required to do anything interesting. So, um, you know, as a, as, a, um, as a citizen developer, if you will, you can build an application with Appian and it can do some really interesting things like scan a document and, uh, and categorize it so we can know that it's an insurance claim, not an insurance payment, and we can route it to the right team for processing. And you don't need to know anything about AI uh, to use that in Appian. But if you do know something about AI, well, then you can do a lot more. Right. You could you can use Appian to deploy a custom data model that's, you know, more specific to your use case. And you can, you know, uh, understand how to uh, build the most complicated applications. I mean, to, to sum up, we call it low code for a reason. It's not that we are eliminating code where it's just we're mm -hmm. focusing the coding work on what's differentiated and what's right, really right. meaningful so that developers are not doing the same routine work all the time that the, that the platform manages a lot of the mundane work for them. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, actually, as soon as I got done saying that, now I wanted to let you finish your, your, your answer, but, uh, uh, but it, it, it occurred to me that, you know, that I was, I was, you know, once again, kind of putting that focus back on the citizen developer and kind of saying, hey, you know, can I just give this to, you know, Bob in finance and he can just create his own app? And, and, and you know, to an extent, like you're saying, that's true. Um, actually, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking this is – a little bit more like, um, you know, like I, you know, I, I, I talk with and work with different like um, managed security providers in SOX, and they employ uh, machine learning uh, to to kind of do that base analysis, and you know, and and the idea being to automate as much as possible so that the so that the security analysts can focus on what's more important, and that actually, I think, is is a little better uh, analogy for this, which is uh, saying, you know, you're, you know, what you're doing is you're giving the developer the ability to very quickly kind of put the framework together without, you know, spending a lot of time doing, you know, redundant work, you know, just recreating, you know, modules or or uh, interfaces that that. Uh, you know that that are repeatable and, and and things like that, but then they can focus on really you know the getting into the details of, of what it does and not, and 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 do it much more quickly and waste less time. That that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and today in today's world, that time is all the more urgent because IT departments are being asked to build not just one application but hundreds of applications, and the backlog is just getting greater every time there's a new innovation. That's changing the customer expectations. People just expect that business technology is as up-to-date and modern as consumer technology in every way. They expect their banks to, to work the way they want to work and use uh, you know, modern channels. And, and, um, and they expect their healthcare providers to be completely up-to-date on technology. And, and, uh, and so this is, this is creating a, a challenge. There are never going to be enough computer scientists to meet the demand. And so we have to make our our programmers that we have far more efficient, and that means giving them a low-code automation platform. Right. You know, it, 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 this is tangential, but uh, 
I, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were talking about, I'm not going to name names, but we were talking about an insurance company. Um, and they told me that the insurance company uh, told told this, this person that they have over 5,000 internal applications. And that's I just, right. that, that was just, uh, and, and I don't even know if that's low or high or average, but, but it was mind-blowing to me because I was like, I can't think of 5,000 things that that company would need to do. <laughs> so I was like, how do you have 5,000 applications? Yeah, it, it's it's tremendous. You think about every department has its own set of needs, and uh, and then every company of that scale is typically itself created by mergers and acquisitions of many other companies that had their own departments with their own applications. And uh, and then you come, you get a visionary CEO who comes in and wants to launch a bunch of new products. And those are then all need to be reconciled with applications to talk to all those different departments and all those different back office systems. And pretty soon you've got 5,000 and it's, it doesn't take long. And so a low code pl automation platform can help you connect those and then rationalize them, ultimately start reducing that number and having the platform absorb many of those different applications. And, uh, and, and together then the low code platform also makes it possible to modernize all those applications. I mean, if you think about it, Every time iOS updates, iOS 13 now, every time Android comes out with a new, you know, candy variety uh, for the operating, you know, name for their operating system, every year at least, that's just bare minimum, if you had 5,000 apps and you wanted them to work on your phone, you would need to retest and refactor a few things on, on those applications. There's no, there's no way that insurance company could devote their resources to do that. So instead what happens is most of those apps get old very fast, the tech debt piles up, and they don't get uh, enabled with modern technology. They don't get better even as that insurance company invests in the latest cloud and mobile technology stacks. Uh, you know, they have to focus where the things uh, stay modern and stay current. And, uh, and instead, when you build on a low-code platform, you get this free power where the platform updates, Appian updates, and all of your apps get those updates. You don't have to refactor and test for iOS and Android versions and new browsers. You know, Microsoft just announced what? A new Chromium-based Edge. And that's our problem. We've, we update for that. And it's your opportunity. Now all your apps get faster and people can use this new browser. Interesting. Because um, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of and hadn't considered that aspect of it. Um, I, I, I assumed that I would go build an app with, with Appian and, you know, once that app is built, uh, you know, now that's my problem. Yeah, no, it's exactly the opposite. By Appian is uh, is taking that as our as our challenge. The tech debt becomes our tech debt, and uh, and when we fix an update for the latest technology, all of your applications get that get that essentially for free. So it's uh, it's a powerful reason to use a low code platform, and it's why Gartner is predicting that most apps will be built with low code in the next few years. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I was not aware of that angle, and and given that angle. Um, it does seem to make it, you know, all the more so where even if I am a developer and I'm perfectly capable of writing the application from scratch, um, it just, it almost becomes a, well, why would I want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> you, know? Exactly. you know, where, where the low code platform doesn't do everything you need, then you need that power to escape from it and still write some code. And that's what we give you is this extensible environment, but you should be creating that as its own defined module that, uh, you know, that that doesn't change the low-code platform, doesn't break anything. So, so we give you these constrained ways, these guardrails in which you can still be you as a developer. You can still write whatever 
you know, uniquely differentiated thing you need to do. You can create that beautiful algorithm, create that new data, um, uh, you know, that new data model, that new uh, AI algorithm, and then inject that into the low-code platform. And uh, and so we'll handle the things that that change a lot, and and you can handle just just creating something you know that's that's special and different that justifies all that education you put into getting a computer science degree. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so I've got uh, two uh, questions. Um, sure. One is, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the high level. I want to know about security, and I want to know about uh, DevOps and containers. Um, so. From a security perspective, you know how much of that is inherent or built in, or you know, like Appian's going to do that kind of by default, and how much do I need to know about how to create a secure app? Yeah, so that's another great reason to use a low-code platform. Is it is it eliminates a whole lot of the challenges you would face as a developer in ensuring secure coding techniques and secure deployment. So in Appian Cloud, you're inheriting our security controls, our certi- security certifications. Our, uh, our, you know, 24/7 um, security operations center, our, uh, our security analytics, our security workflow. Every Appian server that you know gets stood up, every Appian site, uh, is run by us in exactly the same security configuration. So whether it's your test site or your production server, they're equally secure, and there isn't an opportunity for you to make a configuration mistake that would create a problem. Now you're still responsible for managing your passwords, and you're still responsible for, um, you know, at at um, uh, at some level of running your own penetration testing. For example, if you're running a major bank system, then you have an obligation to prove that it's secure, and we work with you on that. Um, but uh, but you're benefiting from the fact that there's whole categories of security that you don't have to test or worry about in the same way because you're not writing custom code. You mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that you used to write in HTML and CSS and JavaScript to build a website. You don't need to do that anywhere near so much in Appian. And in most cases, you, you, we don't even want to let you do it to use Appian components because you're configuring Appian and we handle the generating of the code. So you can't introduce through one little mistake a syntax error a cross-site request forgery attack, or any of the common top ten, uh, you know, web security vulnerabilities, SQL injection, and and uh, and and cross-site scripting. Like these things can't be introduced by your code because we don't let you write the code. We give you a model-driven way to describe your intent, and we write the code for you. And if and it's not that we're perfect, but if there is a bug found, uh, you know, through our very careful security testing through the third parties we hire to you know vet our source code through the hacker program the bug bounty programs that we that we run you know so we get the best hackers in the world we pay these white hats to test the platform and when they find something we fix it for everybody and so every appian site that's on our cloud gets gets fixed simultaneously around the world and uh, and so it's it is a huge uh, burden lifted from from developers it's not that you don't have to think about, you know, your security in terms of your teams and who has access to what resources. You know, you still have to think about the logic of your application, who wants to share information and what teams get to share it. But in terms of the coding, you know, we take a lo- away a lot of the security issues there. Right. I mean, there, there are you know, there are very definitely, you know, uh, sort of at, at least two uh, aspects to that. You know, like I said, like one one is the uh, 
uh, access control of the application and, and, and different things and like how, you know, what, what data it has access to and those things. And I wouldn't expect Appian necessarily to have anything to do with that. Um, I'm, I'm looking more at like just like you mentioned, like like cross cross site scripting and buffer overflow type stuff. Just making sure the code itself exactly isn't right. the vulnerability. Right, and now it, now your least experienced uh, developer and your least expensive contractor is no longer capable of introducing, you know, those types of, of coding mistakes that become security problems. And at a, at a at a strategic level, you know, this this latest acquisition we made in robotic process automation is designed to um, you know provide a much more secure solution for robotic process automation than has been available in the market before. Because it's cloud-based, because it's run in Appian's certified cloud, and because it's this centralized and managed way of deploying bots, uh, it provides CIOs with a lot more um, you know, governance and compliance and management um, to, to carefully monitor how deploy bots are running throughout the organization. So there's a clear audit trail of who programmed the bot and who uh, approved the bot. And, uh, and why bots are making the decisions they make. Because a bot is essentially simulating humans, and in, in most RPA implementations, historically, they were literally installed on you know, people's desktops. And you know, they'd be sitting there in, on a call center operator's desktop, and, uh, and, and so you had hundreds of different places bots would be installed and could be manipulated, and it was very difficult to, to, to prove to a regulator, why did this bot deny an insurance claim? Why did this right, bot right. approve something, you know, approve a payment? And, uh, and so this Appian's uh, full stack automation really provides a much more governed and secure model for, uh, for work, whether it's performed by a human or by an algorithm or by a, by a bot. Okay. Um, okay, so then let's, let's shift over. Um, how does Appian, um, how does it relate to and interact with DevOps tools, a CI/CD pipeline, a, a you know Kubernetes cluster. You know uh, how how does it work in there? Right, right. So uh, there's a pretty simple way to think about this. In, in Appian, we try to handle and automate as much of this as possible for you. So Appian deploys in containers, but if you're running an Appian cloud, it's up to us to handle the orchestration of them. You don't have to worry about that yourself, and uh, and yet you can run Appian on-premise. We're pretty unique in terms of fully supporting hybrid cloud. So, uh, so you, you, can, you can take out ownership of, of how you govern and run Appian yourself, but if you leave it to us, and we typically recommend you do, then from a DevOps perspective, it gets, it gets pretty easy. We have built into our system you know, our repository of the objects that define your application and our environments for um, you know, dev test and production, and you can add additional environments as necessary. And and Appian is aware of each of these different environments, and you configure how they're connected. So, in a CI/CD uh, model, a developer will have access to see what objects are deployed in production, but they won't have access necessarily without approvals to change production. So, I can see the analytics on how the the object I just deployed. I build a new grid. Uh, for uh, you know, manipulating an insurance report, and I put it out there. Someone approves it going into production. I'm, I don't have approval to just go change it because I, I don't have approval to say, you know, change what's going on in prod. But I still have direct access to the analytics, so I can see the performance results and you know how long the web services that execute that populate that grid with data are taking to execute. And when I hear about a problem, I can investigate it. And and because all of those environments in Appian are connected. 
to me, the developer. And, and I can automatically package up patches and, uh, and Appian gives me the tools to check the dependencies uh, automatically and, and, uh, and do visual diffs uh, between the objects I have in, in my development environment versus my test and production. And so there's a whole lot of the, of the tooling of DevOps built into Appian itself, including advanced ideas like what we call health check. So we're running this analysis on your packages in your code and telling you best practices and design ideas and suggestions, you know, before you make those mistakes based on what we've learned from, you know, all of the, the many, many other thousands and thousands of, of applications that have been built before you. Okay. Now, I, could, I can go on as well because, of course, we integrate with development pipelines, CI/CD pipelines, where appropriate, where you need to take an Appian package and export it and put it into your source code control, and you can use, you know, your Jenkins and and your, you know, GitLab to to put, you know, to put things into production. But you're still reducing your need to to follow as many steps because a lot of that is automated in Appian. All right. Um, you've mentioned. Appian Cloud. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, so, is that like you know, sort of the 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 default or whatever, or at least the uh, the recommended? I would build apps using the Appian platform and host them in the Appian Cloud. That's right. That's right. So Appian Cloud is a true enterprise grade platform. Our primary hosting provider is Amazon, and we are in Amazon regions all around the world. And, uh, and we provide the kinds of guarantees you'd expect in terms of um, your data can stay only in, in your region where you want it to stay. And, uh, and we can provide you with all of the redundancy and failover and scaling you'd expect in a, in a cloud high availability architecture where we're you know, live replicating your data between availability zones and, um, and, and really giving you, uh, you know, a rock solid infrastructure and uh, and high performance. Okay, and so as as the Appian customer, though, if I'm running in the Appian cloud, um, is there anything that like so you're running on AWS, but like it, would I be able to log into AWS directly and use other AWS things or is it you know or or is or am I dealing with Appian Cloud as like a separate layer and a separate platform right yeah you yeah, we you don't have access to to our AWS you don't need to know anything about it we give you an admin console you can do things like uh, schedule when an upgrade is going to happen if you want it to if you want to delay it to a match with your uh, you know your your needs, whatever they are. So you still have control, but you don't have to do much because we maintain the entire stack. We maintain the entire platform. So uh, through Appian Cloud, we handle the upgrades and we handle the necessary patching. You think about it. Uh, most security con uh, compliance requires that um, your entire stack be kept current and patched. That means Java, the language, that means the web server, that means the application servers, that means the database, all these, all these components, not just the Appian code. And so Appian Cloud is responsible for keeping all of that patched and updated. And it's probably you know, as common as every 10 to 14 days that we have to, we have to be pushing out patches to, to your environments. 
to keep them current and compliant. And that's zero work to you, totally transparent if you want it to be. And, uh, and, and so it's a tremendous value in that respect. Also, Appian Cloud provides uh, a whole host of services to uh, ensure that your, you know, your data is always backed up, that we can, um, you know, we provide bring your own encryption key uh, options for people who are really sensitive about, you know, who has ownership of, of access to their data. We have uh, a variety of services that get better and better every, you know, every month, every quarter. And, uh, and, and those are just included for free, you know, in, in the Appian Cloud subscription. We just try to, you can think about it like Amazon Prime, you know, it's like you, you pay a flat fee and it just, we can't, they keep piling on services. We're, we're trying to follow a similar model. Okay. Um, so Appian, like, for, you know, first and foremost is not a, you know, like you, you have security elements and, and, and security is a, is a focus, but you're not necessarily a security company. Um, yeah. Are you like, do you go to RSA? Will you be at RSA? <laughs> uh, someone from Appian will almost certainly be at RSA. I, I don't regularly go. I was at, uh, you know, Gartner's big security conference um, in 2019. And, uh, and I, you know, my, my security, my chief information security officer attends more of those, those, um, those types of shows. He'll probably be at RSA. You know, always goes to you know Black Hat and the other fun shows where we get to to pay attention to you know cutting edge technologies and techniques. And we, you know, we use a variety of commercial packages for enhancing our security posture and and uh, and employ a lot of security professionals. Um, but <clears throat> for me personally, it's just this fascinating arms race that we you know we have to invest heavily in. We 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 can't ever win it, but we also can't afford to lose it. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, I think a tremendous value we offer to people that, that, um, we, we stay so focused on, on the cutting edge of this, but you also don't have to, you know, completely trust us. You should verify. And with Appian, we offer real time logging out of, out of our cloud. So you set up your, um, your, your log receiver, uh, on your end, and you can use your tools, whether it's Splunk or Sumo Logic or one of any others to just absorb all of that traffic data coming out of Appian cloud. And then you can run your own behavioral analytics and artificial intelligence and, and tracking on, on what's, on what's happening in your, in your installation. Cool. Um, so, it, you know, so, so it's interesting. I, I asked the question, uh, you know, about, about RSA, you know, sort of really more from the standpoint of, you know, will you, would you be there as a vendor? And again, assuming that it's not really your wheelhouse and you wouldn't necessarily be there as a vendor, but the angle that you uh, discussed, I think is, is, is uh, worth uh, highlighting and talking about it, which is you're, you're not necessarily going to RSA or Black Hat. You're, you're not going there as a vendor to try to like sell anyone else anything. You're going there to at, more as the customer, more to like learn and and see what's out there to make sure that you you know that you you incorporate what you need to incorporate into the platform uh, to stay a step ahead of the threat landscape. Yeah, I mean that's right, and and there's no reason why we couldn't say focus more on marketing Appian as uh, as a great tool for um, security officers and security teams for incident response. We have clients today who use us. Uh, in their security programs and their security teams, you can imagine incident response and incident case management is a is a common scenario for a low code automation platform like Appian. And and yet we haven't 
we haven't really focused on that. I mean, typically we're used more commonly for automating a lot of of the paperwork associated with onboarding new customers and uh, servicing your customers and managing their customer experience, whether that's in you know taking out a mortgage or uh, you know more commonly in helping major companies onboard other large companies as customers and and managing regulatory compliance. Um, you know, you, you think about all the different regulations that that are important to follow in healthcare and life sciences and making sure clinical trials are reporting, uh, you know, adverse reactions to, to therapies in a, in a trial. You know, that that's all things that Appian automates all the time. All right. But security, security is a is a, another great market, and I'm sure at at some point in the not too distant future, we'll we'll take your advice and be you know on display at RSA. Well, let's 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 not go that far. I, I wouldn't call it my advice. <laughs> so so and here's and here's why. Um, even even some security companies have kind of pulled back. Uh, you know, from RSA proper. Um, uh, I still feel like, you know, if, if you're in security, I think it's it's still important to be in San Francisco that week. Um, but it's grown to be much more than just RSA because there's also the Cloud Security Alliance Conference and the DevSecOps Conference and B-Sides and uh, the Qualys Security Conference. There's, there's So there's like all these little like side conferences going on all around the city. Um, and so, there's, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to see. Um, so I, I, I definitely still, I wouldn't miss being there personally, um, but if I were in the position of being, say, in charge of field marketing for, for a security company, I would still think very hard about whether actually paying to be on the show floor had value. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, yeah I, think that, I think it's worthwhile to be there to meet people and network and have conversations and, and, and those types of things. But I'm not sure of the, I'm not sure you can get the return on investment for what it costs to actually be an exhibitor. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's entirely possible. I mean, as, as any conference convention grows and the prices go up, uh, you know, and you have uh, difficulty standing out and getting your message out there, it's, you know, something you got to think carefully about. Um, you know, I, you mentioned the cloud security Alliance that that's an, another, uh, group that we joined um, not too long ago, but um, you know it's it's such an important effort to try and standardize um, cloud security regimes, and and that's because you want to have trust that the vendor you're working with is is living up to your expectations and is going to keep your data safe and keep your customers' data safe, and and uh, and yet. Now the next step is for organizations like CSA to be even more broadly adopted by uh, the buying community, by the big insurance companies, by the big banks, by government agencies to accept that when a vendor can show that they're compliant with the Cloud Security Alliance's you know, rigorous framework, that they don't have to then go repeat that same exercise every time someone in their company wants to you know, buy the software or try it out. Right. I think right now a lot of innovation is being slowed down by by a company's confusion over, you know, how to do infosec and how to validate that products are safe. There's, a, I think, a, a lot of fear that was created by the Capital One hack, and uh, and and so you know, groups like CSA are 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 providing a useful 
way for for companies to start kind of cutting through the fog and seeing whether or not the vendors they're dealing with are actually investing heavily in security and, and maintaining a strong posture. All right. Well, very good. Um, I don't have any more questions, but I do want to give you the opportunity. Um, you know, or if there's anything you wanted to talk about that you feel like I missed, or any parting thoughts that you 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 want people to to, to hear, um, and also feel free uh, to sort of you know let, let let the audience know where to find you, website, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Yeah, great. No, thank you for that. The the exciting new news from us is this acquisition of robotic process automation and in integrating that into Appian so that there is this secure governed stack for robotic process automation and also a really compelling price tag, only $5,000 a month for unlimited bots. Uh, and, and so it's really, uh, I think, a, a new way for CIOs to think about full stack automation in a, in a really powerful way. And you can find out all about it and Register for the beta program at appian.com, A-P-P-I-A-N.com. Very good. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, join me. I, I, I definitely uh, learned some things, especially because, you know, like I said, my, my, my perspective on the whole concept of low-code, no-code was like purely in relation to citizen developers. Yeah, and it's amazing how low code has really emerged. I mean, Appian was the the first company to go public uh, um, on the you know stock exchange as a low code vendor. Low code has really emerged in the last few years and become you know the increasingly the preferred way enterprises are building business systems, and it's it's grown far beyond uh, some of those initial ideas about citizen development. And uh, and yet, uh, you know, ultimately that's the goal of all of this is to turn us all into creators. You know that original promise of the personal computer decades ago from from uh, from Apple and you know Woz and Jobs. They they promised to turn everyone into a creator, not just a consumer of technology. And and that's really what we're trying to get at with low code. In the end, is that it shouldn't just be you know the biggest companies in the world that can create great software. You know anyone with a great idea who wants to change the world should be able to to do that. And and that's what we want to deliver. Well, and uh, I. Don't want to diverge onto another tangent while we're trying to wrap up, but I was going to say, um, you know, again, I've dabbled in some programming, but I'm not a programmer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, my son is, uh, you know, he went he went to school and got the degree, and that's what he does for a living. Uh, and uh, you know, but I, I I had this idea many years ago for this. Uh, uh, for a game I wanted to make as an iOS app, and I kept trying to convince him to write it for me, and he was like, he, he just wasn't interested. And I was like, come on, this has got to be real simple, you know. But uh, uh, you know, but now now I can look at you know something like this and be like, well, hey, maybe I can just go build it myself. Yeah, definitely, and and that's really the dream. That's what we're trying to get at. And you know, while we focus on business apps, there are there are low code providers who focus just on games, and uh, and and ultimately, I will, I'd love to see that converge. You know, we're trying to make business software as engaging and fun and, and gamified as possible. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you and take care. All right. Take care, Tony. Great pleasure talking to you and your audience. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.